0: Welcome to Disability Talks, a podcast produced by Abilities in Motion. I'm your host, Shelley Hauser. Join us for real conversations and no-nonsense talk from everyday people with disabilities living their most independent everyday lives. Tune in for the latest news surrounding disability, accessibility, and independence, where conversations aren't dissed and stories that need to be told aren't missed. So let's talk. Welcome back, folks. I'm your host, Shelley Hauser, and today is part two of my interview with Doug Voist talking about disability employment. Doug, welcome back to the show.
1: Shelley, I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me.
0: Doug, you've worked for the National Industry for the Blind in, out of Virginia and Insight for the last 11 years. What's your personal goal and mission with the work that you do?
1: Thanks, Shelley. That, my my uh, personal mission, thankfully, syncs up with both NIB's mission and Insight's mission. And, and that is uh, creating or helping, not directly creating, but helping create success stories. Um, I'll give you a quick example. We had one uh, gentleman one, near when I first started at NIB. He was in the program that I was helping uh, run for both the Department of Defense, military, and so forth. So, what basically what what this program was doing is doing is uh, closing contracts for the government. So, you know, I'm crossing the T's, dotting the I's, and reconciling numbers and so forth. Anyway, this gentleman was working at a front desk, and he was basically doing a kind of like just working reception. There's nothing wrong with that, but his uh, skill level was way above that. He was legally blind, uh, visually impaired, and he was connected with a component of Boeing. And I, in fact, just heard from him after all these years, a couple of weeks ago, and he is doing tremendously well at Boeing. So getting those success stories... And hearing his bosses and his boss's boss saying how, how wonderful he is as an employee—that is what drives me. Because honestly, the struggles that back in our day, way back, it, it was—it um, was a lot of struggle. It was a lot of getting doors closed in your face, and not there, there re- really were no resources that I was aware of, like for employment. So seeing these um, talented, very talented individuals—a lot, as you mentioned before—we have people with PhDs, master's degrees. Twenty years experience, movers and shakers, and so forth, and helping them on a path to get back in the game, so to speak, back in the workforce, and being productive is is really the most benefit I get. It's like if I can if I can help someone cut the pain in the cut corners and and fast track to getting on you know with your career and life and everything else, then that's that's all the uh, benefit that I could ever you know want.
0: And you've succeeded in in your mission.
1: We have a long way to go, but I, <laughs> I uh, yeah, every day we every day we try to find new opportunities. We're we're training Cisco certified network associates for cybersecurity IT. We're doing HR recruiting sourcing. We're looking in supply ch- chain training. We're working with Google, giving scholarships for IT help desk support and project management. So we're trying everything to. Uh, Get folks, you know, the skills they need, especially and the, the opportunity with our corporate customers.
0: Just putting that seed of inquisitiveness in their minds as employers and showing them the possibilities of what can be done. It, You know, I know the ADA has been out 31 years and we're still chipping away at it, but if we look back at where we were 31 years ago, we have come a long way. Like you said, you, you have to look at the positive and say, okay, it's it's is it perfect right now? No. But is it a heck of a lot better than it was in the 60s and the 70s when Center for Independent Living was still being developed? Heck yeah, we're getting there. We talked about how people are underemployed with disabilities. And can you tell our listeners why it's so important and what society as a whole can do to create a more inclusive social model, not just employment but in society in in general to kind of when they talk about diversity and inclusion, they also think firsthand think to add disabilities into that mix
1: yeah it's <clears throat> absolutely it needs it needs to be in the framework or at least within the the sphere of somebody's um whether it's their mind or their process or, or what have you. In other words, you know, there's this concept of universal design. It's very important. Shelly, you, you know this as far as uh, accessible life, you know, social life, events, buildings, when cities are, uh, what have you, they're doing curb cutouts, you know, don't just do one curb cutout that goes in the middle of the intersection, you know, <laughs> do do two do two of them it costs a little bit more and then you know you have truncated domes they're called the little the bumps that a person that uses a white cane like i do can feel that that that's marks the street crossing so that's that's just the infrastructure side of it but even with new buildings and designers and architects you know and at nrb our headquarters is it's pretty spectacular we hired a uh totally blind architect, professional architect, Chris Downey out of San Francisco, who, who lost his vision at 40 and went totally blind and re, revived his career as, a, as an architect. He's done like Duke University Eye Center. But anyway, he came in and he helped us with boostics. We have talking elevators. We have a, a really nice roof area that we installed a artificial grass surface with a trash can so people can relieve their dogs in the wintertime or or whenever and they don't have to go across the street find a patch of grass or what have you. But anyway, so you know that's that's unusual, obviously. So socially when you're purchasing things, when you're setting up things, designing things, whether you're running a business, whether you're getting organizing social events, you know, have that in the back of your mind or, or just keep it in mind that there there are, I think your number was 43 million in the U.S., anyway, I think it's like a billion worldwide people with disability. That they're they're very loyal. Whether if your business or loyal customers, if if they're if it's a society, they're going to be resilient and and productive because they're the best um, advocates. Because they're going to talk to their friends and talk to their friends and their family members and those type of uh, situations. In it, you know, in the in and out of the workplace, if you make, let's just say technology, uh, whether it's a kiosk or whether it's a, like I just saw that um, Freedom Scientific's working with uh, McDonald's, they're having these uh, checkout kiosks where it's self-order. They're already working to make them accessible. So a lot of times this, these accessibility features, tools, designs, they they help everyone. They help people who are elderly, who um, maybe have a hard time seeing, you know, they don't have a, uh, the latest and assistive tech software built into their, you know, phones or what have you. But if you make it, you know, accessible to people uh, with vision impairment, wheelchairs, people who are hearing impaired, it, it just helps everyone and it doesn't have to be expensive.
0: Very good. Yeah. So the pandemic, we are still sort of at the tail end of it. Uh, it's, it's quieted down, but Millions of us, able-bodied or or disabled workers, were working from home. And did this shift employers and hiring managers' perspective on hiring with people with disabilities now that they see it can be done? Has it shifted their mindset on on this opportunity for us?
1: It definitely has shifted for their entire workforce cited and other and non-sighted, non-disabled, disabled because they quickly realized having people work from home. I know we served serviced uh, one of our customers at NIB uh, it was a military air, air force, and they had to um, distribute 10,000 laptops. Um, so what, what they discovered, not them, but just in general uh, corp- corporate society has discovered is you find out your gaps really quickly when you have everybody working <laughs> remotely.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So
1: yeah. And it's it, and, and for people, you know, with blindness, it's it's what systems may work, what what may not work. And I'm talking in the greater uh, private sector. You know that that if somebody was used to coming and working on a couple processes, and now suddenly they're setting up remote meetings and everything, well. You know, you want to use tools like Zoom, which is incredibly uh, accessible, and and, and Mike, or Microsoft Teams, and be able to understand that not all technology is going to have these tool, these features built into them. So, it's it's a lot of that kind of vetting and and validating and assessing. I think a challenge is you still want when you're interviewing somebody, you still want to have that person in front of you. I think all of us kind of. Uh, would, would you agree that it just, you just kind of get a different vibe um, just being around somebody and then through a Zoom? <laughs> you,
0: you feel their body language, you feel their energy or, or lack of their energy. Uh, and it's just yeah. it's just a different feeling being human to human. And I was just actually saying to somebody yesterday that we almost have to reconfigure how to be social again with one another because of this pandemic we We were forced to not be social and hang out at the water cooler or go out to lunch with our coworkers for over a year and now we have to get back to that um but there's definitely some benefits
1: and that i i i agree it's it's really important because um I made the joke with another a blind employee that uh when the when the uh, quarantine started that uh, oh well, you know it's, it's like well when you lose eyesight, we're kind of used to self quarantine because that's kind. of... <laughs> We kind of have that experience because, you know, you lose your car and you can't, get maybe you're living in a city with no transportation. So you kind of do feel quarantined. But um, to your point that the importance is, especially with disabilities, it's very easy to get backslide into being uh, less social. Let's just say maybe because, well, maybe that restaurant's too challenging to go to or maybe that, that office, I, I would just rather be in my safe bubble. Versus putting yourself out there because you're in some cases an ambassador or a pioneer when you're the only disabled person walking or it interacting with sighted coworkers, colleagues, friends, and so forth. That uh, you, you want to maintain that close connection with people, and so it's it's a trade-off. I, I think it could be done both ways. So you know, having that interaction, I think it's important. And sometimes in meetings where you're brainstorming, sometimes it's, it's great to sit around the table and brainstorm with people versus hitting your mute button and then (laughs) unmuting and nobody, nobody's unmuted. So like you said, around the water cooler, lunchrooms, conversations, those type of things. The good news is technology because of the quarantine or the pandemic has really advanced, advanced the capability of doing a lot more work from home.
0: Yeah, because we can connect, so it's all great. What are some common stigmas that you would like employers to know about persons with disabilities and em- employment?
1: Um, I, I think the, the main probable stigmas with um, maybe a hiring manager that has never interviewed somebody with a disability is what they might see in the you know, past films or they just have no uh, understanding uh, that they kind of jump to a conclusion before really digging into it, just not keeping that open mind. And it's, it's not to criticize somebody for doing that because it's totally understandable. But for instance, I was stunned after I lost vision at how many people were yelling at me and talk, yelling very loudly and slowly at me. And I'm, I'm like, I'm standing right here, <laughs> I'm looking at you. Right, right. <laughs> I can hear you, just fine.
0: I can hear you fine, and you're yelling. Yes.
1: And, and they think, yeah, they think, uh, you know, your your hearing must be, you must have super hearing. No, it's it's not. It's because your vision is taken away that your brain is searching for a sound information, things like that. But as far as that stigma is that, what I addressed earlier is while well, you're you're blind, how how are you going to use a computer in this job, and I just don't see how that's gonna how that's gonna work and is this gonna be expensive because we don't have a lot of money and and twenty years ago thirty years ago, yeah, it was expensive to get a sound card and and get new speaking technology and all this but now it's built into apps, phone apps speaking technology magnification it's it's built into computers it's built into a lot of devices that it's, you know, for under $3,000, you could have somebody completely set up.
0: But things like a standing uh, workbench, my IT guy has one and he sometimes opts to stand. Um, Just my other coworker, just bringing in her seeing eye dog is her reasonable accommodation. That doesn't cost them anything. She has a very small little office and the dog is, is in her space and, you know, doesn't bother people. And uh, it, it could be a, even just a, a specialized chair for somebody with chronic back issues uh, that we had a coworker here. So reasonable accommodations. And like you said earlier, eyeglasses, hearing aids, these are all assistive technology that can be low cost. And I I challenge any employer or hiring manager to, to reach out to Doug and his team and learn more about how to be less afraid of these outdated stigmas that really are just that—they're assumptions that are really—I don't know, Doug. Do you agree? They're—they're they're really, for the most part, not even true.
1: They aren't. They aren't true. And you know, again, in the case of blindness, if it, if a hiring manager, you know, is wearing glasses, I'm in a position where I'm not, fortunately, not um, interviewing for work. But you know, you know, if I were really bold and brash, you would—you would just want to say, "I noticed you wear glasses." Well you know, can you read without them? And if they say no, it's like, well, now are you unemployable? Because if if you say you're not, that's exactly what that's exactly what um, people with vision impairments and other disabilities, it's just, we're doing things differently. The, the resilience aspect of it is huge. And the retention is, I, I forgot the numbers, but it's 60, 70% retention versus the job jumpers, maybe who don't have disabilities, that company has an accessible onboarding system and interviewing system and, or they need help, they can reach out to Insight, obviously. But disabled employees are going to know it. it's a great place to work and they're going to tell their friends and they're going, to, they're going to stay with you. All that brain knowledge is going to be there.
0: Finally, where can our listeners find more about you and Insight on social media? Where are you located at?
1: Well, I would uh, recommend both you know, listeners and, and also corporate Customer, potential customers, or even just corporate listeners in general. Our website is insight.org, and that's spelled N S I T E dot And uh, job seekers, click on insight.org and look at the Insight Connect job board and you can upload your resume, you can put your profile in there and look for jobs and corporate customers can also use Insight Connect and post jobs so we work with them as well. That's the main entry point for us as far as the um, web activity. Uh, social media, I would, I would say I'm available on LinkedIn, Douglas, uh, last name, G-O-I-S-T. You can see some of my information and I'm happy to talk with anyone who, again, either needs some guidance on how to, how to work with people with disabilities or somebody who's struggling or somebody who's a job seeker that has some questions on, Hey, I I don't know where to start. Can you, you know, give me advice? I'm happy to do that. Those would be the main, main ones I would say. I'm not too active on other socials.
0: That's okay. But yeah, in your spare time, I wanted to bring up quickly, you are part of the Team USA ice hockey team as well, right?
1: Yes. Um, and uh, I appreciate you mentioning that because uh, I'm really proud of my teammates. They come from all over the country and they're all all ages. I mean, from teenage on up and, um, you know, we we played Team Canada for the first time in 2019 and, those games can be found in other games on YouTube. If you look up USA or team USA versus team Canada, just don't look at the score. Uh, We've been, we've been um, a team now for three or four years. We, unfortunately the pandemic canceled. We were supposed to play team Canada two weeks ago in St. Louis and it was canceled. But um, yeah, this it's so blind hockey, is a thing. And, um, it uses a steel puck that has eight metal ball bearings in it. It rattles and it makes a lot of noise. It's about the size of a pot pie. The the nets are the same width as an NHL net. It's just a foot shorter. So, and I'm the goalie. So I, I try to keep that steel puck that's moving at 40, 50 miles an hour from (laughs) getting into the net. And, uh, it's, it's really amazing. Um, and people with different vision impairments. And I I could go into a whole other explanation about how that breaks down. Like the, the helmets are different colors based on your level of vision. So, and there's a point system.
0: I'm going to have to have you back when your team goes to the next uh, Olympics in the winter. And we'll, we'll have you and your teammates on another day to explain the breakdown of all of that. How's that sound? It's good.
1: We're we're working on the 2026 Paralympics, but Finland, Russia, Sweden and the UK now have blind hockey teams and we're looking to get more. So uh, hopefully in 2026. But but when we face Canada,
0: I'll definitely let you know. Thank you. So, Doug, thank you so much for your time and attention and all this wonderful information and crushing those stigmas because they're so important those so thank you for your time and being here on the show today
1: shelly i really appreciate it and on on behalf of my teammates at insight and national industries for the blind we really we really appreciate uh, you getting the word out there and um, we're always we're always here to help
0: perfect thank you so much and to my listeners worldwide thank you so much for listening today and make sure you hit that like and subscribe button so you never miss an opportunity to listen to disability talks Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Disability Talks. Want to keep the conversation going? Then visit our website at abilitiesinmotion.org or connect with us on social media. And remember, don't diss my ability.